بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد we have been discussing the second the third action in this kitab four actions to acquire the friendship of allah taala ta'arif billah hazrat mawlana shah hakim wa dakhtasab rahmatullah alayhi so the part that was being discussed was the hadith of bukhari sharif that nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam is reported to have said zinal aini an nazar casting lustful glances is the fornication of the eyes so one who casts lustful glances and is indulging in fornication cannot even dream of becoming a wali of allah taala unless he sincerely repents from this evil because wilayat and friendship of allah taala allah taala didn't do all this is and will be part of the life of any wali of allah taala but allah taala didn't say in awliya'uhu illal musallun illal musallin in awliya'uhu illal mutahajjidin those who make tahajjud the whole night they are the walis of allah taala those who fast the whole year round they are the walis of allah taala a person who is truly a friend of allah taala all this will be in his life that he will also have nawafil in his life he will is not fasting the whole year there's not the precondition for wilayat but there'll be apart from the first fast there'll be some fasting as well there'll be nawafil of the different ibadat but allah taala has declared wilayat in the quran sharif in awliya'uhu illal muttaqun that the awliya of allah taala the friends of allah taala only the muttaqun only those who have taqwa in their lives so a person who may be engaging in mashallah a lot of amal but at the same time if he is engaging in the sin of casting haram glances he is engaging in other evils so then such a person cannot dream of becoming a wali of allah taala unless he sincerely repents from this evil in another narration rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is reported to have said la'an allahu an-nazira wal manzura ilayhi may the curse of allah taala be upon the one who casts lustful glances as well as the one who emerges in such a manner that lustful glances are cast at her so we spoke about this lanat previously yesterday or the day before many people become very concerned especially in the case of parents or somebody else senior they say that you don't comply with what i'm asking and what is being asked is something wrong what is being asked is against the command of allah taala and yet now they are persisting in that insisting on upon that, that you don't comply with this that you're going to break my heart and this lanat is going to then fall on you those lanats don't fall anywhere in fact that is something very dangerous to be invoking such curses upon people because allah forbid that rebounds on a person the hadith sharif is mentioned a person curses someone and this is very very it's not a small thing it's a very big thing because a curse lanat is al ibad an rahmatillah it is to distance somebody from the rahmat of allah taala you say lanatullah allah's lanat so mean allah's rahmat must be far away from you you should be not receiving any part of allah's rahmat so though plaything is a very serious thing so 
So now it's mentioned in the Hadith Sharif, when a person uh, invokes a curse on someone, then that curse first goes upwards, but then it finds the doors all locked to it, towards the heavens. So then it goes towards the person who has been cursed. If that person is truly deserving of it, it will fall on you. And sometimes people make some statements, curses, sometimes those curses fall on their own children, they don't realize what they're doing. So in any case, then it falls on that person. And if it's not deserving of it, then it comes back upon the person who had made the curse. So now sometimes people go around cursing others, but in the process they end up being the victims of their own curse, because others are not deserving of those curses. So these lanas don't fall anywhere. So a person should never ever succumb under such pressure. There are two separate things as discussed already and this is something to always bear in mind and something to always keep reminding ourselves that the two separate issues, we never succumb under any pressure to do what is wrong in terms of the commands of Allah Ta'ala, in terms of Sharia, in terms of Deen, never succumb under any pressure from anybody. The other very crucial part, especially when it is a matter of parents, never cross the line of respect. This is a challenge, this is a test of the time for many people. The test, and we have to pass the test. The test of parents is their test between them and Allah Ta'ala, that matter is between them and Allah Ta'ala. Whether they are passing their test or failing it. If they are instructing something that is not permissible, that's a serious matter. That matter is now between them and Allah Ta'ala. So they have to pass their tests. But the child has to pass his tests. And the test of the children is far more severe than the test of parents. Because the children have been commanded with a, to maintain a very high level of respect for the parents. So the test of children is far more sensitive. They have been commanded, Don't even say uff to them. So without succumbing to the pressure, or rather without compromising the respect, you won't succumb to the pressure. You keep quiet, just make sabr. There's no other option but sabr. And that sabr is not gone in vain. That's the very important thing in these situations, to engage the mind correctly at that time. The thing is, we don't engage our minds correctly. We just get carried away with the moment. If a person engages his mind correctly, he's insan also. Being insan, he also gets affected. Everybody has feelings, he gets affected. He feels hurt. And that can be sometimes very hurtful too. So if he just remains or rather does not correctly engage his mind at that time, it will become very difficult. And when it becomes very difficult, in that moment he might blurt something out. He might then respond in a way that will harm him. Because his test is to stay within that line. Somebody else fails their test, he cannot, and that will not justify on the day of Qiyamah, his failing his test. So now the issue is, how is the mind engaged at that time. So what is, the whole mind is consumed with, but how can this person say this, and how can this be done, and how can, all 
Now, the whole focus is on the opposite party, but why is this person behaving in this manner, whoever it might be, whether it's sometimes on the side of any elder, whether it is somebody, some stranger, whether it is in the issue of domestic issues between spouses, now sometimes from the side of the wife, now the person is under some kind of pressure on what is now being said to him, sometimes it's the husband, and he doesn't know how to speak, he's just blurting anything out, just talking in a bad way. This too is another subject on his own, some maybe two, three years back, we had detailed discussions on this. But here again, like in the case of parents and children, the test of children is far more sensitive. Why? Because the command of Allah Ta'ala is more towards them. All the various Likewise, in the relationship between spouses, the test of the husband is most sensitive. Because he has been commanded in the Quran Sharif was that uh, regarding the woman, Allah Ta'ala didn't command them, though they, the respect that they have to maintain is very high. What they have been commanded in the Hadith Sharif, the extent of respect that they have been commanded to maintain for the husband, is really explained in a way that is, we cannot fathom it. Nabi Karim says that had it been permissible for anybody to make sajda to anyone besides Allah Ta'ala, I would have commanded the wives to make sajda to the husband. But it's not permissible. That's shirk. So anything, anybody, we cannot, nobody can make sajda to anybody else. Sajda is for Allah Ta'ala alone. But that is meant to highlight the level of respect that should be maintained for the husband. But with all that, at the same time, Nabi Wasallam has already spelt it out. Now this is not meant to humiliate or degrade or run down woman. It's meant to express a reality. And meant to make men conscious of it. Husbands conscious. That Women have been created from a rib. So in other words, you're not going to get everything straight. And Nabi Sallallahu further spells it out with emphasis. She will never be fully compliant to everything you want, how you want it. It's not going to happen. Somebody wants it to happen like that. Either they are, they've got some special karamat. Or they're living in a dream world. Maybe we find those people with the karamat, you can also learn it from them. So it's not going to happen, neither we 100% straight. Who can claim he's 200%, 100% straight? Many a times people come with a lot of issues, a lot of complaints. So after some, everything has been vented. So the one question that is posed to them, okay, all whatever you said and everything understood. But now overall, with all whatever you have highlighted as the complaints, put everything together, how many percent you give your wife in terms of overall as a wife, as a mother to your children, whatever. So now many, sometimes some will say 70%, 80%, 90% So after they finish give the percentage as a mark, then the next question is, okay, how many percent you give yourself between you and Allah Ta'ala? 
between you and Allah Ta'ala, fima bainaka wa bain Allah, think carefully, how many percent you give yourself now as a husband, as a father, who's supposed to be conducting himself in a way which Allah Ta'ala has commanded, wa'ashiruhunna bil ma'roof, treat them kindly in the world, and istawsu bin nisa'i khaira, the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is making sifarish. He is interceding on behalf of the wives. Subhanallah, can we imagine? These are things that we hear, we hear it often, we sometimes may have said it too, but Allah knows best, Allah knows best, that sometimes it might be that that sifarish and that intercession that Nabi Kareem Wasallam has made on behalf of women, somebody on that basis, keeping that in mind, that this was the intercession that Nabi Wasallam made, Based on that, I'm going to overlook this. I'm going to treat them kindly. I'm going to deal with compassion and kindness. Based on what? Based on that intercession that Nabi Islam made on their behalf. So in other words, I'm accepting that intercession. Allah knows best. That becomes the day, that the, the, the basis and the means that on the day of Qiyamah we gain the intercession of Nabi Wasallam. That you accepted mine. Today I intercede on your behalf. Allah knows best. Allah's manner and He is doing with His bandhas, Allah alone, the well-known incident, that person who passed away and somebody saw him in a dream, pious person, that how did things go, what happened? He says, Allah Ta'ala forgave me. What was the action that you got forgiven on? You know, I came home one day very tired, very, very hungry and now, I presented the food, but now this, she had over, the salt was too much in it, it was too salty. Now, a person who's tired, who's hungry, now he wants to eat, and now that food is salty, so now that can really provoke a person's anger. And he says, it provoked my anger. But at that time, I just suppressed it. I suppressed it on this note, that this too is Allah Ta'ala's servant. This too is Allah Ta'ala's servant. If I forgive her, inshallah Allah will forgive me. So Allah Ta'ala forgave me on this account. That you forgave our servant, today we forgive you. It's a dream. Pious person now is seeing the person in the dream. Dream is not any shari proof, but is an indication. So in any case, the point is that the test of husbands is more sensitive. Because Allah Ta'ala commanded them in the Quran Sharif. They have been told that You want to take the benefit, you'll have to do it with that crookedness little bit. And you'll, inshallah, everything will go fine. But you want to try to straighten everything out 100%, then that's not going to last. That is going to break them. So the lesson is that the test of husbands is far more sensitive. They have to pass their test. The other party fails their test, that's between them and Allah Ta'ala. But that doesn't justify the husband failing his test. Or likewise, the other way around. So the point is that the same applies in the case of children and parents. The test of children is far more sensitive. So the challenge is there. We digressed on this point about engaging the mind. 
So now when this happens, one is a person now just goes with the flow now, and now his whole focus is, but why is this person doing this? But if he changes his mindset, and he engages his mind correctly at that time, that this is a challenging situation, I am hurt, but this is requiring sabr now. And the sabr requires that now I don't compromise the line of respect, I don't do anything or say anything that will constitute disrespect. That is quite a pressure within now. I have to hold my tongue. I have to just bear things quietly. So this is not gone in vain. This is what's called sabr. This is what sabr is all about. Sabr is not when everything is fine. One woman, her child passed away. So she was probably wailing, crying. Maybe a Kareem Wasallam passed by. And so he advised that she shouldn't be crying in this manner. She didn't realize who it was. Because she was overcome in that moment, in that grief. So she didn't pay attention or whatever. Maybe some carried on. Somebody informed her that that was Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So in any case, some time later, she then came and she sought pardon for whatever happened. So now in other words, now she was calm and composed. So Nabi Islam said, In sabru in the sadmatil ula. After two days, three days, after a few days, then that composure automatically starts coming in place. Allah Ta'ala has created insan in that manner. If it was not for that, people will now gradually be able to, that memory will go to the back of the mind. It will be there, you can never erase it forever. But it becomes a little, goes back in the mind. It doesn't remain as fresh as it was on the first moment. Had it not been like that, we won't survive. Because every time something happens which causes some grief, it will build up on the previous thing. And that is already at a peak. person won't survive. Allah Ta'ala's nizam, Allah Ta'ala has made us and created us that way. So Nabi Sallallahu said that the real time of sabr is at the time when the calamity, the tragedy, the difficulty has just happened. That is the time of sabr and that is the time the person gets the reward of that sabr. The reward of sabr, Inna Allah ma'as-sabirin. Allah is with those who have sabr. Inna ma yuwaffa ajrahum bi ghayri hisab. That Allah Ta'ala grants the sabirin, those who adopt sabr, Allah grants them rewards limitless. Now that's that moment. So now that's the time to talk to Allah Ta'ala. That's the meaning of engaging our mind correctly. That's the time to talk to Allah Ta'ala directly from the heart. Ya Allah, I'm going to swallow this solely for your pleasure, not for anything else. Not because of any other external matter or issue. Allah, I'm going to swallow this solely for your pleasure. So that you become pleased. Like a person, he's tempted to, the subject we are discussing actually, how there's a temptation now to look at somebody passing, cast some haram glance, he's tempted to go to his phone for something haram, and at that time he suppresses that. So when he suppresses it, there's a pressure, when pressure is exerted on something, it can even break depending on the extent of the pressure, depending on how strong that issue might, that thing might be, and how much of pressure is exerted on it, 
it is a piece of board, some timber, and now you put a huge load onto it, it's going to snap. So pressure can snap things also. The same happens within. That ex- the extent of pressure may shatter the heart. But now when that heart shatters, that's the time to speak to Allah Ta'ala. And that is a time of acceptance of dua. That moment is a moment of acceptance of dua. That moment when a person is really exercising sabr. Because Allah Ta'ala says, Inna Allah is with those who have sabr. Now that's the moment of sabr. Later on that sabr automatically comes away. Now somebody, something has happened five years ago. Sometimes a person might even discuss it and it won't create any sense of grief. Because it's past now, he, he overcame it. So he'll maybe feel some kind of sadness about it, but not that grief that he, ever, that he experienced initially. He is able to talk about it, he's able to mention whatever happened, whatever. Because it happened five years ago now. So he's got over it. So the time of sabr is that moment when it just happened. And that's the moment in Allah Ma'as-Sabirin. That's the moment of dua. That's the moment when the person... And sabr is not only that sabr, when there's some tragedy, some calamity, some hardship. This too is sabr. Sabr is at the time of the temptation of haram. So now, that pressure now, he's feeling such an intense pressure that he must cast that haram glance. But he did not do so. He resisted that. So that created that severe pressure which shattered his heart. That's the time. In the hadith Qudsi, Allah Ta'ala says, I'm with the broken hearted. And this is the broken hearted. Those who break their hearts but don't break the command of Allah Ta'ala. So that's the time to engage with Allah Ta'ala. So now at that time, a person is talking to Allah Ta'ala. Ya Allah, this is whatever being said to me. Whatever it is, Allah, I'm going to make sabr for your pleasure alone. It's breaking my heart, but I'm going to allow this heart to break for your pleasure. So that you become pleased with me. That is a very special moment of dua. Now when a person at that time engages his heart and mind in this way, to handle that situation becomes very easy. It's not that he's not going to be affected, but this becomes a very effective balm over the wound. It was perhaps Sufyan Sauri Rahimahullah or one of the other very great personalities of that period most likely it was Sufyan Sauri Rahimahullah said that had it not been that this would be actually to be happy that people are disobeying Allah Ta'ala you cannot ever be happy that somebody is disobeying Allah Ta'ala so now what he is now thinking about, he says, had it not been that what, what I am actually wishing should have happened, if that had been a means or that would result in others being disobedient to Allah Ta'ala, I will actually wish, I will actually wish that every person makes my ghibat. Now when a person sometimes overhears or gets to know that somebody spoke ill of him, now even if it was a 100% reality, he feels very offended, very hurt about it. And therefore ghibat is such a major sin. Because it is hurting others, it's trampling their rights, 
And even if they don't get to know about it, it's still haram. So, now it's a very hurtful thing. Nobody wants that others should speak ill about him, to talk behind his back, make his ghibat. He says, had it not been, that this would be like wishing that others must commit haram and sin, and get involved in the sin of ghibat, I would have actually wished that every other person makes ghibat of me. Very strange. How come? How can a person ever wish that people make ghibat of him? People get so offended over this. He says, because it would be free rewards. Why should I be upset over people giving me their rewards? Since that would have been such a wonderful thing that I would have been just reaping the rewards of people without any effort. I'm sitting and doing nothing and they're passing their, effort, their rewards to me. Now that perhaps was said, one was out of expressing this when this fanayat has been attained and a person has made annihilated his nafs. Then all these things don't mean anything to him. Somebody said something, somebody did something, somebody upset him. Insan is insan, but to the extent of that fanayat, it means nothing. Abu Uthman Khiyari, rahimahullah, very great, pious person, is walking with his murids and going somewhere, and somebody from an upper story throws out some ash. That ash falls all on his clothes and all over him. Now when somebody says something, does something which now, of this nature, something that hurts us, something that offends us, then depending on a person how much he has made Islam of himself, I'll just fly into a rage. He'll just start talking all kinds of things. He'll just start becoming Allah forbid what not. Hazrat Mashaf Ali Thanvi says that Islah ka pehla qadam. He was an expert of the field. An expert of a very high caliber person of a very high level of expertise in the line of guiding people to that Islam and his writings and his discourses, his malfuzat, his mawais, etc. From the time all this has been said and all this was published to this day it is the it is the source of people's guidance and hidayat Anybody who is in the path of Islam and Tazkiyah is unable to do without it if he's serious about getting that benefit. So now somebody who's been an expert of the field of a very high level of expertise, somebody who's taken thousands of people through the paces, and he says, Islah ka pehla qadam, the first step of Islah is ghussa ku kabu melana to bring anger under control. Now subhanallah, we might figure out or try to figure out how does this link up? Where's anger and where's Islam what we're talking about? We're talking about getting all the base qualities out of our life, inculcating all the noble qualities and where does this fit into the whole equation? But when a person the without the in-depth knowledge is hard to understand it. But if a person has some knowledge of the ahadith of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it's very easy to understand it. In one hadith sharif, Nabi sallallahu says that anger spoils iman. Anger spoils iman just as sabir, very bitter substance. Such a bitter substance 
that just as that sabir will spoil honey, in other words, this bitter substance, some item very bitter, if it's put into honey, now honey, every particle of it is infused with sweetness. But this is such a bitter substance, you put it in honey, it will make the whole honey bitter. Now just as that makes the whole honey bitter, those how, how bitter it is. So how, what level of contamination it can cause. So likewise, Iman can spoil a person's Iman, anger can spoil a person's Iman, like that Sabir can destroy that sweetness of the honey. Now in the light of this, what doubt can there remain that bringing anger under control is the first step to Islam? Otherwise the person is doing everything else and this is destroying everything. He's making all the efforts on the other end, but this will destroy everything. So this is the first step to Islam, getting the anger under control. And if that anger doesn't come under control, Allah forbid everything will keep going haywire. There won't be any sukoon anywhere, any peace anywhere. And then a person's deen, like in this hadith sharif, it will spoil his iman, his rewards will all be dished out to others. He will himself be miserable, he'll keep others miserable. And there will be no progress in anything. In terms of deen, very difficult to really make progress. Rather it will be retrogression. So the first step to Islam, he declared, bringing anger under control. So coming back to the point we were talking about, now when a person correctly engages his heart and mind at that time, it's a matter of training ourselves to do this. That's the time of sabr, and at that point of sabr, he doesn't get washed away with the tide. He engages with Allah Ta'ala. He connects himself to Allah Ta'ala. Ya Allah, I'm going to make sabr on this for your pleasure. Ya Allah, you have promised, Ana indal munkasirati qulubuhum, I'm with the broken hearted. Ya Allah, my heart is now broken. This person has broken my heart. Ya Allah, you grant me your ma'iyat. Allah, you grant me your ma'iyat. You bless me with your closeness. That is a special time of dua. Now when a person is engaging his heart and mind in that manner, one is like, a person now is being attacked, but he's being attacked directly. And those daggers are piercing him directly. It will be very painful. He might become fatal. But now he's got a shield. So now, he's still being attacked, but he's hitting that shield and there's a big clang, a lot of noise and as a result of it knocking that shield, he's getting hurt a little bit maybe with that shield hitting him but the dagger is not going to pierce him that sword is not going to hurt him the sword won't hit him directly that's the reality of it that the person who correctly engages his heart and mind but correctly engaging is connecting himself to Allah Ta'ala that becomes a shield He's in sound, he'll hear that clang, he'll hear that sound, it might that knock on that shield might bump into him, but that sword not gonna hit him. So the extent of agony and pain and offense and whatever will be greatly minimized. So now we're talking about this incident about this Abu Osman Hiri Rahimahullah, he is walking past and this ash is all just thrown from above and it messes his clothes and everything but now he was a person who had made his Islam he was a person who had 
understood how to correctly engage himself and that fanaiyat, that annihilation of the nafs had been achieved so what was his immediate response and reaction? Alhamdulillah according to one version of this incident he fell into sajda and other versions of the incident is he said made shukar of Allah Ta'ala so others around were very astonished, very surprised is this an occasion to make shukar? this is an occasion to say inna lillahi wa inna lirajul is this occasion to make shukar and express Alhamdulillah? He said, I'm not saying Alhamdulillah on the musibah that happened. I'm saying Alhamdulillah on something else. I'm saying Alhamdulillah, there's a musibah also. That now a person is walking and somebody threw something on him, best him, the musibah. I'm saying Alhamdulillah, my mind was diverted to something else, that this was ash. So it was already, the fire was over, it was only the ash. I'm that kind of person that I was deserving of fire raining down upon me. I made shukar, Ya Allah, it's your shukar. You saved me from that fire raining down upon me. It was only the ash. It was only the ash, not the fire. So now in that split second, in that split second, his mind went in this direction. It's not because it just happened. Those who keep engaging their minds in that manner deliberately, from time to time, keep focusing themselves in that manner, keep engaging themselves in situations that might not have been so challenging, small, small things, but they keep re-engaging their hearts and minds in those positive ways. Then when that big test comes, the mind and heart automatically go in that direction. It's not going to happen that a person now heard one talk, he, we heard these things many many times, none of these things are things we have heard for the first time. These things have been said and heard and repeatedly. But if that's where it stops, and that's where it finishes off, then when the next incident might happen, it might happen one hour later, might happen one day later, and the same reaction. Nothing has changed. Whatever was heard, whatever was learned, all got left right there. The Previous days, olden days, somebody used to give that example. People, that time still the importance was there, it must wear the topi and perform salah. Nowadays, that's all this is, unfortunately, many quarters, the importance of all this is fizzling out. But even the person who had no real consciousness in so many things, he wasn't dressed in the manner that he should have been dressed in terms of coming for salah, but this much that the can't perform salah bareheaded. So, therefore, there used to be some topis always provided in the masjid. So, now those topis would be kept somewhere in one box in the back or something. So, now people would enter the masjid, they enter the masjid now, they'll then take one topi and put it on the head. But now, obviously, that topi don't belong to them, belongs to the masjid. So, now when they're leaving, then automatically will take it out and put it back in the box and they're gone. So, he says, now sometimes that is the topi now. Many times what went in the, was supposed to have been in the head in terms of what was learned, what message was given, what happened in the Juma, Nasihat for example, some other, the Talim that we heard something. So we hear a lot of things, but it's like now at that time when we came in the Masjid, so we put the topi on. But now after hearing everything, now when we're leaving the Masjid, we take it all and leave it behind and carry on. Just like the topi now back in the box. So, so to say now again back to the Imam Sam, Jazakallah for all your nasiyat. Inshallah, we'll see you next Friday.
So everything is back and now he's gone home and now he heard the incident in the Juma talk about that person now he controlled his anger on the extra salt and mashallah he shook his head so well on that incident as well now he just went home after Juma for lunch and now there was extra salt and that extra salt it started taking all the bitterness out of his tongue finished because he left it all back Imam Sahib this is your, all your nasihat Jazakallah next week we'll see you so the issue is that to engage ourselves and we will repeatedly that what was discussed last night as well that digestion the digestion comes digesting it by pondering meditating thinking uh, revising the core of the we won't remember sometimes all the details but the core lesson to revise it in our minds what was the main lesson that was learned now what was the main aspect to take to heart so now to, to revise it to think about it we're sitting now waiting for salah sometimes to run that in our minds that whole discussion what are the two things that I'm going to take back out of it I forgot most of it too and if a person listens attentively with the niyat of amal person listens attentively with the niyat of amal for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala it doesn't normally happen 99.9% of the time that a person is going to remember everything that he heard after some bayan, after some talk, some talim, whatever person is asked, okay, what, what you heard how many people can even give 50% of everything they heard it doesn't happen like that but if a person had been attentively listening to any nasihat of deen any talim that's taking place any waaz, nasihat listening attentively with talab, with ikhlas then at the time of the need that will immediately come back to mind just off the cuff now you ask him repeat everything, he can't repeat it but he was listening attentively with talab, with ikhlas then at the time when he needs it, it will come to mind and he'll then remember it now is the time to amal so now this also requires this digestion that now to give some time to surround, to think about it to revise it in the mind now one time, two times, five times after 10, 15, 20 times of repeatedly repeatedly thinking about it over different occasions gradually it starts becoming a natural response it doesn't happen overnight it won't happen in two times and five times it will happen when this has been practiced over time gradually it will start becoming a first response not second nature it will start becoming the first nature of a person but when he has made the mujahada to inculcate that in his heart and mind and he has now for example we are talking about now anger so now one time, two times, five times he it took a lot of mujahada, a lot of uh, control over himself quite a pressure to now shift his focus away from what's going on and turn his focus towards Allah Ta'ala at that time he wants to say 101 things he wants to vent his anger he wants to just grumble and scold and whatever else he wants to do but now he pressured himself to now remain focused towards Allah Ta'ala and use that moment for that special dua to speak to Allah Ta'ala at that time Ya Allah you have promised Anna indan munkasirati 
Allah, my heart has broken now. Allah, you become mine. Now he initially took a lot of effort. First time, second time, tenth time, twentieth time. But then gradually that will start becoming effortless. Gradually it will get easier and easier and easier. And eventually it will become the first response. And it will become effortless. This incident that we spoke about is an example of it. That now that was the first response. Automatically his mind went in that manner. This is that fanayat. Annihilated the nafs. No airs about himself. I am nobody. I am nothing. That is what is to be worked towards. That's the effort to make. So this <coughs> came from the discussion about nazira wal manzura that Nabi Kareem وسلم, said, May the curse of Allah Ta'ala be upon the one who casts lustful glances as well as the one who emerges, that woman who hasn't taken care to observe the proper hijab, etc. And as a result, others are casting lustful glances at her, the lanat of Allah Ta'ala on her as well. So the person who's cast those glances at the one who didn't take care as a result of which she was now looked at in that manner, she too is now also in the part of that lanat. In this hadith, Nabi Kareem has cursed both the person who casts lustful gazes as well as the one who is gazed at due to not adopting the hijab. Those who fear the curse of the awliya and pious people should fear the curse of Rasulullah since piety is acquired in becoming true slaves of Rasulullah Therefore, if an accidental gaze falls upon a beautiful face, turn the gaze away immediately. Do not allow the gaze to remain on that face even for one moment. It is clearly understood from the verses of the Quran Sharif and the Ahadith that the one who casts lustful glances has been given the following three evil, in inverted commas, titles. Titles that nobody would be happy for. So these titles are in inverted commas. Number one, disobedient to Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Number two, fornicator of the eyes. Number three, accursed. If one is addressed with any of these, in inverted commas, titles, one will be extremely hurt and displeased. Thus, if one wishes to remain safe from these titles, it is necessary to guard the gaze. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq, inshallah, we'll continue. The lesson in all this is that to get close to Allah Ta'ala, to become the wali of Allah Ta'ala, the hadith of Hazrat Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala an, ittaqil maharim takun a'badan nas. Stay away from whatever Allah is forbidden, you will become the greatest abid. We regard ourselves as very pious sometimes. Why? Because we've been making a lot of tilawat of the Quran Sharif. Alhamdulillah. That's a very great amal. Because we're making a lot of zikr, we're doing a lot of charitable work, we are doing some other good things. MashaAllah. Allah Ta'ala increase the tawfiq in all that. But we have to reflect and look in our, into our lives. If simultaneously haram is carrying on, sins are going on, then we shouldn't for one moment dream of any piety. There's no basis to ever make any claim of piety. One person wrote, uh, some, some girl wrote a letter to Hazrat Ma'inish Patel Sahib Rahmatullahi, Elder Brother, Marhum Allah, Tala Khalis Kabarud Noor, and elevated stages in Akhirat. 
So now she wrote a letter for some advice. So now the advice was that there has been a proposal received from somebody. But now she said, I, Alhamdulillah, she said, Alhamdulillah, I think, I'm not sure. But I have a very high level of taqwa. And I want that whoever I get married to, his level of taqwa must be higher than mine. So that he becomes a means of me gaining a higher level of taqwa. So, mashallah, this sounded all very great. Salma so, replied and said to start off with, nobody who has a high level of taqwa has ever made a claim of having any taqwa. So let alone having a high level of taqwa and claiming about it, they never made any claims for themselves. So already this is the starting point, a very big claim, I have a very high level of taqwa. Mashallah, the person might be muttaqi, but any kind of claim to these things, that claim, what does that claim mean? We'll only know the day of Qiyamah what taqwa we have. So we can't make any claims for ourselves, that is a very foolish thing. And when a person starts making these kind of claims, that's when the fall comes. Because now when a person is making claims, he's already thinking something great about himself. That's already ujb. That's already vanity. That is already a major sin. And then that starts leading to takabbur. Then now gradually he starts looking down upon others. I am somebody, but look at this person, what he's up to. Sheikh Sadi Rahmatullah, he says on one occasion, I spent the whole night in ibadat with my father. So now mashallah, the month of Ramadan, Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq, how much we can. So he said, I spent also the whole night in ibadat with my father. Close to the end of the night, I noticed some people were sleeping. So I said to my father, look at these people, like dead they're sleeping. So my father said to me, that it would have been better you also were sleeping. You just destroyed your whole night's ibadat. It would have been better you too should have been sleeping. Rather than make ibadat the whole night, and now because you're looking down upon others. You are thinking of yourself as better than them now. So therefore you are making these kind of comments. So this comment has destroyed your whole ibadat of the night. So, claims, person who doesn't have any idea of the reality, he'll start making claims of himself. And those claims become the start of a person's downfall. So the only thing is, that Ya Allah, we are extremely filled with weakness, faults, sins, and we are desperately in need of your grace and mercy at every step. There's not one step that we can ever feel we are independent of the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. Such a person is doomed for a very serious downfall if that's what he feels that like he can do without Allah's mercy. How can we ever survive one millisecond without Allah's rahmat and mercy? So even any righteousness is purely by the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. So to always be conscious of that. And always make shukar for whatever tawfiq Allah Ta'ala blesses. Never make any claims for oneself. Never regard oneself as better than anybody. Never look down upon anybody. These are the things that lead to a very bad downfall Allah forbid. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. So these are all the things about Islam. Islam is not confined to a lot of ibadat. Ibadat, mashallah, person who has made his Islam, he'll automatically be inclined to ibadat as well. Because if he's made his Islam in reality, then his heart will be now clean and clear. That clean heart will be inclined towards righteousness. That clean heart will desire to recite the Quran Sharif. That clean heart will be inclined towards the zikr of Allah Ta'ala. 
Because that heart now which has been made Islam is connected to Allah Ta'ala. So everything that will take him closer to Allah Ta'ala will become a, like how a person looks forward to delicious food, some treat, that moment that he can now make some tilawat will be a treat for him. That little time that he can now engage in some zikr, that will be a treat for him. He will be awaiting these opportunities. So automatically he will be inshallah making ibadat. But wilayat, wilayat, the precondition for wilayat is, ittaqil maharim, takun a'bad nas Forsake all the haram, you will become the greatest abid. Allah Ta'ala give us the reality. Allah Ta'ala make us among the true abideen. Allah Ta'ala save us from every kind of disobedience and keep us in Make us his friends. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Subhanallah. Alhamdulillahi. Subhanakallah. Alhamdulillahi.